Looking to create wealth and income through high cash flowing real estate? Self-storage is the fastest growing and the newest real estate asset that has outperformed all others. What's its secret? I'm AJ Osborne, and with over a million square feet that we have built, acquired, expanded, and even converted big box stores from small third tier markets to large hundred plus thousand square foot facilities, we have seen it all. This is the podcast that we're going to discuss and bring on the best investors and operators in the nation to show you how to create wealth and income with self-storage. Welcome to Self-Storage Income. Welcome, everybody, to Self-Storage Income. And uh, today, it's actually taking a break uh, from snowing and uh, raining here, which uh, has been nice. Wouldn't you say so, Connor? Yeah, you know, I don't mind. I'm kind of weird. I know everybody likes to uh, complain about the snow and driving in it and everything else. But, you know, like if it's going to be cold outside, I like it to, you know, there to be a reason Yes. You know, so snow is like that perfect reason uh, for me. But uh, no, I uh, I love the snow. Um, gl- gladly, uh, mountains are getting a lot of that moisture, getting that base built up. But uh, yeah, my buddies were out skiing this weekend. And right. I'm like, yeah. Okay. It's like it's time, dude. Bust the skis out. But uh, yeah, today was actually a little bit better, a little, little more clear, not so much rain, which was nice for sure. It's uh, amazing how fast this time of year. Changes. I, I mean, in our office, we've already got people putting up a Christmas tree. We got a Christmas tree in the room. <laughs> My head's not even Thanksgiving. Yeah. Poor Thanksgiving. You know, just getting undercut, man. Seriously. Every year, more and more. <laughs> well, we do have some exciting news. Um, our YouTube should be coming out like, I don't know. Wait, I mean, today we got it done. We could literally be uploading it tonight or tomorrow morning. Yeah. So by the time this comes out, we'll probably have the video uploaded. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yep. It'll be de- it'll be out for sure. So go check it out, and uh, we're going to be putting a lot more content out there. Uh, we kind of got that tagged down, as you guys know, if you've listened to the podcast for any length of the time. We were kind of fumbling around with the uh, the video situation for a while, trying to figure out what we we're going to do, and uh, getting somebody squared away to do that for us, and uh, a whole new look. It's, yeah. uh, oh, it's amazing looking. Yeah, we, you guys you know, have we're to putting, check it out. We're putting a lot of lot of work into this. I told you guys that we were going to commit to video, um, and we are. So check it out. It's we're just getting started, um, but we should have consistent videos coming out every single um, week. I mean, that's our goal. That's what we're shooting for. Um, once again, a lot of our topics, guys come directly from our audience and our community. Um, It's coming from people that are talking to us, that are sending us questions through Instagram, through the site. Um, If you guys want to see something on YouTube, please reach out to us and let us know um, because that that, that really helps us out a lot. Uh, Before we get into our topic today, which is going to be a little different, so you guys got to listen into this one. Um, I want to talk real quick about our sponsor, uh, Live Oak Bank. This was a sponsor that came directly because of our audience, because of you guys and the feedback we got. Financing is such a critical, important piece of storages and storage facilities. 
And it is with commercial assets in general and getting a good lender and a financial partner alongside you that can't be overlooked and especially one that can help you achieve what you're trying to. This is an ongoing thing, right? Our financial partners are partners. Uh, Live Oak Bank was a strategic partner for us on the podcast because of who they are, the options they have, and how they approach financing. And that's generally speaking as a partner. They're looking at the asset with you. They want to see your business plan. They want to understand what you're going uh, going uh, for. They're in all markets across the United States. And this was important because we had a lot of banks when we were starting out that didn't want to do business with us. They literally didn't want to do business. They didn't want to work with us. Um, and they didn't want to be in our markets. And that was frustrating because we knew what we wanted. We knew what we wanted to do, but we didn't have very good financing options. And Live Oak Bank um, can really help out with that. For sure. And they know storage. That's one of the biggest yes. things is they know it. Um, probably one of the issues, struggles you had, AJ, when you started getting financing was the fact that uh, they didn't know or understand storage. They didn't know that market. They didn't understand the industry. And uh, Live Oak Bank does. 100%. That it, it was really hard for some banks to get their head around the asset class and the value and what to do with it. And they excel in that. So, Check them out. They're on our site. You guys can go straight to self-storage income. Um, it, it's right at the bottom there. If you just go and you click right on self-storage income, it takes you right into um, Live Oak Bank. It says self-storage financing. We understand that self-storage owners are unique. So go in there, check it out. Also check out our podcast with Live Oak Bank. Um, it was an awesome one about financing. With that said... Let's move on to today's topic, and today's topic is a little unique, although extremely critical. Um, I've been talking to some people online. Uh, you guys are reaching out to me on Instagram, which thank you guys once again. Um, I, I do have to say, everybody reaching out to me on LinkedIn, you're like 400 messages back in there somewhere that I haven't looked at. So, <laughs> uh, buried somewhere uh, in the abyss. I would love to say that I'm going to get it through it someday, but really uh, after I surpassed 350, I, th I think I was just giving up. That's um, too funny. Now on Instagram though, I'm only like 20 behind, so I'm getting there, everybody. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so go, through, go to the site, shoot us emails, um, with deals, things like that, you guys, you're directly talking to us. Like it's going to me, um, Brian, who's head of acquisitions, Kaylee and Connor, we're all here. You guys, we look at your emails. I'm seeing them come through, as you can hear from my computer, because I didn't have it on silent. They're literally coming <laughs> through right now. Um, but it, that's direct message to us. But today... With the reason I thought of this topic was because of a conversation with one of our listeners. We were talking and how hard lots of times it can be just to get started. So it's not that getting started is the point of the podcast today, but I want to talk about the goal setting process and how you build this out and some things that were unique for us, not just when we got started, but also when we decided to scale, because there's multiple phases when you're going through entrepreneurship, when you're building up companies and scaling and getting started are different and they're different for a few reasons. Um, but really when you're getting started, there's two different types of knowledge that we have, right? We have 
um, learned knowledge, and this is great. This is what you're do- what you're doing right now is learned knowledge, right? So this is what you're listening to on the podcast. This is the books, but then you have applied knowledge, and this is knowledge that is gained from you directly um, applying and uh, um, working, right? And applied knowledge is different. When you're getting started, there is a lack of applied knowledge that can only be gained through application. And uh, this creates a void, and this can make things intimidating. This happens all the time. This happens when we did a conversion. This happens when we first did our first development. When you go out of state, this happens when you're trying to scale up and wondering, can we actually take on other people's money? Um, can I make promises? You know, applied knowledge, because you haven't experienced it and you have a lack of applied knowledge, there is that unknown. There's that, right, that, that lack or that gap there. And this, this can be hard. So one of the things that we did when we got started and I was planning out because, you know, we all get started and we have these huge dreams and I, I knew where we wanted to be. Um, we had to uh, we had to actually plan out the application part because it wasn't existing. So what I mean by that is let, let, let me walk you backwards here. Um, in fact, I'll set the stage. I think that's what they call it. Call it right? Anyway, you bet. You bet. OK, we're going to go with it. <laughs> so I'll set the stage here. Um, so I was actually in a JW Marriott, my favorite JW Marriott in Orlando. Um, I uh, had a business deal that went south there. So it's not like it, it was a great time in my life. So I'm, I'm out sitting in the hot tub. It was like two in the morning. Everything was closed, but I just jumped the gates and went to the hot tub. And I'm looking up at this JW, right? And I'm like, dude, people own this thing. Like, there's people that actually own this asset, right? And I'm like, they're probably not dealing with any of the crap that I am, right? Grass is always greener, of course. Um, but <laughs> but they're dealing with that kind of stuff every day. <laughs> exactly. But I'm like, nobody can take this from them, right? And so I, I decided, I'm like, I'm going to own assets, right? I'm going to be in real estate. This is the way I'm moving. This is the way I'm going. So I had no idea how to do that, right? I barely knew how to buy a house. Um, but... When formulating this plan, the first thing we did is um, I started to say, okay, we had some small storage facilities and we're going to expand them. We started buying some more and we started growing. Um, we, we built in margin of safeties because we Real have to, quick. Yeah. How did you identify storage? Yeah. I mean, did you start out like you said you didn't know much about real estate? Did you just think that might be a good thing because you've heard about it or? Uh, actually, it wasn't because we heard about it. So. Me and my dad, because we didn't know anything about real estate and we didn't deal with it, simply thought, oh, well, storage facilities don't have toilets, so, okay. It's got to be super uh, easy. It's got to be easy. <laughs> like, it was it was really that fundamental. We wanted to be in real estate, but we didn't want to deal with people. Gotcha. Um, and really, it came down to is, I'd, I, and I'd heard a quote that I really liked. It was like, listen, somebody was like, if you're not willing to evict a single mom and her kids because they don't pay rent, don't get in the... Multi-family game. Good way and to put it, man. I was like, yeah. that's not me. Not I don't even I don't I'm not saying that's wrong by any means. Mm-hmm. They don't pay, right. they need to go, right? right. But I, I just not gonna go down there and do that. And so when we started looking at the things we didn't like about real estate, there was that more personal attachment side of someone actually living there, which I do not care in the least to kick anybody out of their unit. Like that just doesn't bother me. 
and I'm more than happy to say I'm selling your stuff. So mm. that just doesn't bother me. Um, but two, there were there was different there was different things about storage um, that we liked because of the freedom. So we say that kind of tongue in cheek, right? There's no toilets and there's nobody sleeping there. What, really, what we're talking about is the freedom to run our business. Right, I could change rates. I could increase rates. We could kick people out. I could sell products. I could do all sorts of stuff that I was constrained on multifamily. That's why we got into it. There was more upside potential that could be achieved through turning it around and turning around uh, facilities. We didn't really know how to do that, but um, we we understood those basic things. So when we got started, there was not, there was no education. There was no podcast. There were no groups to join. There was barely even an association. People didn't talk about storage, right? Um, so when you're making plans though, and you're trying to get to this end destination, you're consuming as much learned knowledge as you can, right? Like I was trying to find books. I was going around, we go to Vegas and there wasn't a lot. And so we bought some facilities. Some were, some were good, others weren't. We needed to sell them, right? And the key, though, was we were learning this applied knowledge as we went along. Now, I backed into how this was going to work. We had our end of goals. We had everything that we wanted, right? And I, I want to talk about that to begin with because there's two different types of goal setting, okay? And this is important to know and understand. There's the goal setting that is more like the course, so it's the pathway that you're going to take to achieve whatever you're trying to achieve, right? This um, happens to be actually more structural structural than anything else. So even understanding that the storage we were getting into, um, storage wasn't the goal, right? So the goal was to be a participator in the economy through real assets that created real income and appreciated over time to create true wealth, that was the actual goal. Self-storage was simply the tool that would get us there. And that, that was the you know, financial vehicle that we, would get us there. And we would have to figure out a strategy which would create our course. But the reason that it's distinct to understand that is that when I hear people, they talk about, well, here's my exact goal. Here's my, I want this many doors, I want this kind of storage facility. Um, you need to be careful that you don't get trapped into that's the goal. And so I have to do that because that may not be the right way to go about it. I know this because that's how I was when I started. I said, my goal is I'm going to own 25 small storage facilities. We started out, we started buying small storage facilities. I learned at the time that administratively, these were very difficult to run because they were all over the place and it was more intensive to run them. And my expense ratio ate up a lot more of my revenue than we wanted. So then we had opportunities to buy larger facilities. Now that wasn't the goal, right? The goal was to own 25 small facilities. I did my numbers. In fact, I had some guys work financial plans out with me, right? And, and when I looked at it and we started looking at it, that was when it came down to that's actually not the goal. I don't really care about owning 25 storage facilities. We needed the revenue to reinvest back into our business so we could obtain wealth, financial freedom, and participate in the economy, the growth, the upside. So we changed and we went to larger facilities that had more margin that when we made changes in the facility, the outcome, the result was uh, more. Now, it's important to know that 
on your destination and on your goal, as, as we're moving forward here, it's not that the small facilities were in any way, shape, or form bad. In fact, they were 100% right and necessary in the process. If I would have started in a big facility, we would have failed, surely. Now, I'm not saying you will. I'm just saying we would have. We needed to start small because I needed that applicable knowledge. Learned knowledge is only so good. The applicable knowledge that we learned through the small facilities, managing and operating them and learning what to do and how to do it, that gave way to the knowledge that we needed both learn and applicable to do a bigger deal and to turn it around. So you need to be flexible on your path, but don't change your end goal. Our end goal never changed, but our strategy changed, right? And then we started up buying bigger facilities. And at the time, too, one of my goals was we were only ever use our money. We'll never, we'll never do anything with other people because that's not the way. <laughs> but That's not the way. What was your motivation way. for that? Um, I think really we had had um, the business deal that we had that went south in Florida was because we'd gotten screwed by a partner. We'd bought their – not really a partner. We'd bought the business. They were contracted to stay on. And then he had his wife go steal all our clients, the mm -hmm. revenue that came from it. So I was really burned. So me and my dad were just like, it's just us. Yeah. Right. Like we're Fire hot. Yeah. We're like, <laughs> Stay exactly. We, we were definitely worried about that. Yeah. Um, and now in all reality, it was my own fault. I, I had a contract that would allow his wife to do that. Um, so I lived and learned. Um, but that was a limited mindset. Right. That was a very limited mindset. And so we had to change our way again. Then I wanted to scale. So when going to scale, the path had to change again. Now, the goal has still never changed, right? My goals never change. But now we're, we started the private equity side of it, and we're, we do also, too, we said we would never build. That lasted like three years. <laughs> and here we and are. And here we are now building all over the United States uh, and converting. Yeah. So um, the, uh, the reason why you need to remember the goal, your destination that you set Right. That needs to be, if you've read the book, Vivid Vision, and I talk about this a lot, you need to visualize what the outcome um, looks like in the format, not of material possessions. Lots of people tag material possessions. Oh, I'm going to have this huge house. Uh, you know, I'm going to have 10 hot rods and 10 hot girls or whatever dumb thing that people come up with. I don't even know. But it's very, it tends to be materialistic and, and based. In Vivid Vision, we talk about, like, for me, it needs to be more accomplished based in what that is a result in your life and how that feels and looks. So through a Vivid Vision, when we looked at it and when we started, um, when I started really understanding, I wanted that wealth and freedom that um, we were going to participate. I wanted more people to participate in that. And I thought that would be the impact part of our business, that we figured out how to do this really well. I can share this with others via the podcast, right? But then I can also share that via other people can participate in wealth and financial freedom through us too. And that was a big part of I wanted to make an impact. And that's how we could. So those things, when we looked at the end goal, and when I think about it, I think of accolades and what our company had achieved and how we were viewed as we were viewed as such a respectable company. People wanted to work with us. We were game changers, right? We would do things in the industry 
that would people would notice and change. And that was something we implemented very early on. We were trying new things in the industry. We would lead the way and we would do it on our money. I would risk my money to try new things and to start up tech companies and everything. So we have been true to that and we followed that and it's an evolution. So I want to talk though about application or uh, the application, implementing application within your goal model. So we have, let's call it the vivid vision and that's your end destination, the path coming on. I break it down into like a three, five-year type thing. This is what we do. I break down then my goals into yearly goals, which I call needle movers. So then in order to get to my three to five-year goal, which is my vivid vision, I need to be moving that needle every single year in a big way. So what does that look like and what does that mean? to get to that uh, destination. From there, I base all my goal setting and my daily planners weekly and everything on quarterly basis. So for I have my annual, then I have my quarterly basis for result-oriented uh, goals. Now, my daily and weekly goal sets are based on execu- uh, execution to achieve those quarterly result-oriented goals. So for us in the firm, we want to be doing um, two storage facility deals every single quarter, at least. That's where we're trying uh, We're trying to get to. Um, that is a result-oriented goal, which we've mapped out. Listen, if, if we're doing this and we could ramp that up, that means by the end of the year, we should be approaching, you know, almost $100 million in assets every single year. That's what I'd really like to get to. So if we were doing, you know, three to four deals a quarter at minimum, the two, we're going to be hitting that mark and we will have the funds to build out our team, to hire on new people. And so one of the things to achieve that, that was one of the things we knew we needed to do. So what did we do? Me and Connor were looking at Cedar Creek and all the things that we needed to do, realizing, wow, we're not good at video among a lot of other things. (laughs) (laughs) Among a plethora. And so Um. we brought in Brian, right? And we brought in Kaylee. We've hired two interns now that are coming on board. Um, And And a video guy. And a video guy. (laughs) That's right. Uh, Um, And other content people um, in order to make sure as we backed in, here's our weekly daily things that we need to achieve. We need to, we bought software, all, all that infrastructure to achieve that quarterly goal which will then help us achieve our annual one. So it's about backing into your goals, but making sure that the destination, that end goal is the right goal, that it's not, it's not something that it is, it's kind of hard to explain the difference. Yeah, no, it really you know is. I mean? Yeah, because you have that, it really just comes down to really defining what it is your criteria, like that end goal, the criteria of that end goal yeah. is and finding the root of, of what you truly want versus what you think you want or what you might have perceived as what you want or um that that's a great way to say it perceived i feel like yeah. a lot of us we have built in notions of what our goals should be well and going back to so much of that is the um it was learned and applied knowledge so it's the learned knowledge where you you perceive that you want x y and z and then come to find out through the applied, you're like, wait a second, like, nope, that yes. wasn't. So kind of similar to like the small storage facilities that you were just talking about. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to have 25 
small storage facilities, not realizing that the expense ratio was going to be so ridiculous. The management was going to be so ridiculous. And you're like, okay, no, I got to change that. And then thus you had to change your quote unquote end goal and reevaluate what truly was the root of that goal. And it was that freedom and ability to participate. Um, I love that perceived notion. Yeah. Because like, and you know, we all have this, like it's passed down from us through education, parents, and that may not be our real thing. You know, a perfect example is I was um, really caught up in the fire movement and as well as a lot of uh, movements where I'm like, I need to just live a very minimalistic life and I need to really lower my expenses stuff, which there's nothing wrong with that. I was really big on this. In fact, I love a lot of things about that, which we'll talk about a whole nother day. Um, but then I came up with these numbers like, okay, I only need X amount to live on. And that became my goal. And my goal became a limiting goal. Mm-hmm. How much can I limit expenses? And let me just get to that number. And that's what I was shooting for. And I was doing this because of things that I was reading or understanding when that's actually not what I wanted at all. I wanted to build an empire. And I felt like it was wrong to say that. I felt like that's not something I should say. Yeah. That I yeah. shouldn't be so obnoxious. Right. That, You're no, and exactly. Like, it's yeah. like, no, you should just be happy with what you have and live on <laughs> yeah. st- on twigs or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> which anyone that knows me, I would love to actually live in the backcountry. But I wanted to make a big impact. Mm-hmm. I wanted to build an empire. I wanted to go to work every day. Yeah. I didn't want to not work. Like, this is fun for me. Right. And so I, you know, and maybe you guys aren't, you're like, AJ, this is basic stuff. How old are you now? Um, You know, but it did. It took me a little while to understand what I really wanted. Um, And so you need to spend a lot of time doing some inner digging and looking because you don't want to build a foundation and put a ton of work into a foundation to build a house that you don't even want. Right. Well, and then not only... You're not changing paths, but you're completely changing your trajectory and what and, and where that end goal is, where as opposed to being able to just simply change your path to that same end goal. Yeah, exactly. The, the path should be able to be changed. It's the end goal that's not. That was one of the things that I, for me, going through my 20s was something that I had to really learn and identify because I always had that like, oh, well, I, I'm going to make anything work. Like, cause yeah. I'm never going to quit. Like I'm going to yep. make something work. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. And I always had that like never quit mentality where it's like, I will just force the universe to do whatever I wanted yes. to do or whatever I thought I was going to do. Um, but which is completely false, you know, um, and had to learn that. I mean, the hard way, like most of us do where, you know, and really identify just that separation between path and end goal and being able to really identify what it is that you want and the fact that it it's okay to pivot it's okay to change your path it's but don't change that angle you know somebody should write a book called the art of quitting that would be so good because like this is a hard topic that you bring up on your goals when do you say this isn't the right goal when do you say i'm doing this because i'm either being stubborn because I, I, you know, I'm the same way. We're both Idaho boys, right? I came from a farming family. It was like, you don't ever quit. Your <laughs> exactly. legs break. You just keep going. Yeah. But um, lots of times that's totally wrong and mm-hmm. you need to learn how to fail, fail quickly and move on. And when it's yeah. time to call it quits. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and this is important because this path that we talk about, when you're looking at investing in assets, you may be so determined on a market. I have to make this market work. And the universe may be screaming at you. You're not supposed to go in this market. Mm -hmm. But yet you are ignoring everything else around you because my goal is to own a storage facility in this market. N the universe and nobody cares that your goal is to own a storage facility right. in the market. They're not going to make you successful because that's what you want. And so your path has to change and it has to be, you have to, you have to be willing to change that path. If not, you sacrifice the destination. 100%. And that, that opportunity cost of not failing quickly is massive. I mean, you look how you look at the the time that it takes to really truly build your empire, to build wealth, to build your your infrastructure and whatever that goal is for you, and in the time that it takes to do that, even the right way. And when you sacrifice a ton of time, just refusing to acknowledge that something's just not the right way, that's that's huge, man. You spend ten years doing something that's never going to work. You just lost. Oh, so big. So big. Yeah. Compounding interest, you know, that the effects of starting that out, the quicker you can improve that. And compounding interest and leverage works. I'm talking in every part of life. I'm not talking about money. Leverage, leveraging your capital, leveraging your contacts, leveraging your situation, your opportunities. This all applies to that compounding effect in your life, your person. Like when I view my personal life, how am I leveraging my time with my children? How am I compounding my relation with my children with my wife? What are the things that I need to do to do that, right? How am I compounding and leveraging my impact, right? If you do the wrong things at first, that has a huge impact later on. Mm -hmm. And we, for, we, you need to look at that and analyze that very, very quickly. You need to fail fast and course correct quickly, especially in today's age. Look at how fast the world changes. But you need to do that and never give up on the destination. That's the key. Right. And that's why the destination and the mode of getting there have to be separate. And you have to understand that. So I think that, first of all, writing all this stuff down, journaling is very helpful. Mm -hmm. I still look back on my journals and my plans from when we started our company. Like over 10 years ago, yeah. 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 And I look back and those lessons that I learned, I'm still applying to this day. And I look at my destination and my destination is actually funny because it's in impact, freedom and progress is my, my motto. I have it hanging up on my wall. And that's something that I wrote in my journal, the first part of my journal over 10 years ago when we were starting up the company, right? It was this idea of fusing progress and security together and how wealth worked and, you know, all those kind of things. And then trying to figure it out as we went along. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this, once again, this isn't, necessarily about storage, but also it's really important. And one of the reasons that it's important for storage or whenever you're doing, if you can't communicate that with other, with those around you, they need to be on board. They need to understand why you're doing what you're doing. The brokers need to understand what your strategy is. Builders, cities, banks, all these people need to understand what is your goal? Why are you doing this and where you're going? Because they need to be along for the ride. Mm -hmm. Everybody does. They all need to be along for the ride. And if your destination isn't in line with your path, other people see it, they notice it, they're not coming along for that ride. And it, you're going to fail. You need leverage. And by leverage, I mean you need help. And you need other people to make sure that your goals are achieved and that everyone around you is successful. You can't do that if those things aren't aligned. You can't do that if you don't have buy-in from other people. 
You can't do that if you don't have a clear idea of what you're trying to accomplish and can communicate that to others. For it's sure. really important. No, that's huge. And I know you mentioned journals and how you track a lot of these goals and goal setting, um, which has been really a pivotal part of this whole podcast. Do you have any specific journals that you would recommend for anybody out there? Yeah, this one's a, uh, it's kind of expensive, but I really like it. It's called the self journal because it breaks down how I do my goals in the exact way that it does it on a, so it, I take my large, it doesn't involve like the big goals, like large, it's more of a quarterly, I get one per quarter and then I can put in there my result oriented goals. And then I break down from their notes, weekly, daily tasks, um, and then I plan with others uh, around me, and then I work on my daily execution off that. Um, I love it. I'm obsessed with it. It's, I think they're like 25 bucks. It's, I, I think it's not great. too bad. It's not, yeah. you know, it's not too, maybe they're more than that, but it's not too bad. But I love it. It's great. I use it for once a quarter and I keep them. I literally have them mm -hmm. all sitting on my shelf. So nice. I can go back and look and, and review because that comes down to those feedback loops, right? Course correcting. Um, I want to make sure that I, I, I'm correcting and that we're moving. If something's not working, we need to pivot. And I'm okay scrapping things. I mean, yeah. we, I, me, yeah, <laughs> me and Brian just had a meeting today where we're like, we're doing a wholesale company and we're doing it on individual homes and storage. And we're like, we're spinning our wheels on the individual homes. We're mm -hmm. commercial real estate. We're yeah. scrapping individual homes and we're focusing on wholesaling storage deals. And I have no problem. That failed. Yeah, it didn't, that, it. that side didn't work. Great. Let's move on. Right. We gave it the right amount. We tried it. And the reason we, the reason we changed is, is simple. We looked, so the progress goals and the results oriented, how it was running down was the capital that was being spent to get the leads generated when they were coming down our fun, funnel, we were getting like 200 leads that would lead to eight good prospects. So we're looking at closing maybe a few a month, but if that same stuff that we applied over to the commercial real estate was even a, a fraction of that, the outcome would be massively greater. So it became a resource thing where I'm like, yeah, we probably could stick with it, right? We could not ever quit mm -hmm. and make that work. Right. But that would be a total waste of time, resource, capitals, focus, everything else. We needed to shift that asset, right? Time, energy, focus, capital. We need to shift that into our wheelhouse to produce more of what we know and what we're good at. Yeah, no, that's a great distinction to make too, where you're talking about it. It's, it's so easy to make that decision because kind of going back to identifying what that end goal is and sticking to that. I mean, you're happy to scrap things and to toss an idea out the window. It's not like, because that wasn't everything. No. It wasn't working and it wasn't being productive to get you to that goal. So you're happy to throw it away. And that's like, of not course the goal. Would. Exactly. It's not like I'm like, yeah. no, my lifelong dream was stole to own a company, right? Yeah. No. I can't be in real estate ever again. Exactly. Like, yeah. No, those vehicles, economic vehicles, businesses, those are simply tools on your path to get to your goal. And so you cannot be attached to them and scrap them when you need to. 100%. I love that, man. Awesome. Sweet. Well, hey, this is a great podcast. Uh, I love this topic. I um, let me know if you want to hear more topics like this too, by the way, we dive a lot into storage stuff a lot. Um, but every once in a while I'm like, Hey, we, this is pivotal on your path and your journey. So I'm going to try to start including more of these lessons and even people we've been looking that we may bring in, 
um, even if it's on an entrepreneur side or whatnot, but helping you guys, giving you the tools to build your path is going to be an important piece that we need to remember because we're super storage nerds. Uh, so, <laughs> well, speaking of that, do we want to talk about the, uh, the new podcast coming out? Oh yes. Yes, we do. Yeah. So Give them the uh, rundown. So we got something special coming out for you guys. Uh, it's another podcast, uh, another self-storage income podcast, uh, but this one's specifically for managers at storage facilities. So um, any of you storage owners out there that have uh, your employees, your managers there on site, uh, you can shoot this podcast over to them and just say, hey, check this episode out. You know, they're talking about this idea, this strategy, this topic, whatever. Um, obviously, or for single owner operators, the 100%. guys you own the facility and you're operating yourself. Lots of of us started out that way or start are going to start out that way. Mm -hmm. This is the podcast for you. This is talking about that stuff. For sure. Yeah. So we kind of just built out some of our topic lists today. Uh, get it, AJ, send him some messages, whatever you guys want to do. If there's topics that you want to hear in regards to management, um, employees, any of that kind of stuff uh, related specifically to managing and running a storage facility, let us know. We'd like to dive into whatever questions you guys might have and di uh, di uh, what is it? dissect. That's the word I was looking for. Uh, dissect a lot of these things for you and uh, really just shed some light on the whole management aspect of it and uh, bring a ton more value for you guys. So guys, subscribe to this podcast. Please give us a great review that makes all the wor world to a difference in the world for us. Um, and we'll roll out this next one and keep, keep bringing them for you. Thanks, everybody.